Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Thank you for being being here, being part of our service this morning. We have a, a good-looking group of folks in here this morning. Thank you for, for taking out the time to be here. And we also want to welcome all of those that are listening to us on online. And we are glad to have them. This morning we come together to worship the Lord. Let's begin our time together in prayer. Our Father, thank you for all things that you do for us. Thank you for being with us and helping us in all of the struggles of life. We pray for all of those that are sick that we have an interest in. Be with us as we go through this service. We pray for Brother Ken as he brings the message this morning. Help us to always do what's right in your sight. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. morning. First song this morning will be I Will Call Upon the Lord. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be
before our opening prayer this morning will be sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of Let us pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to come and to worship here with you. Please go with us throughout the rest of this week. Lead us, guide us, and bless us, and do everything in your power to keep us strong and confident in our faith, Lord. Please be with those that have been mentioned before and continue to heal them and bring them back to us at a point at a time. Please be with our nation and please be with those that are overseas and do everything in your power to help them come back to us and let us be cheerful and happy when they return, Lord. Please be with those that have lost loved ones and please allow us to grieve and to love, but to also shed your power and your faith and your compassion on them, Lord. Please do everything in your power to keep us strong and keep us confident and allow us to continue to spread your beautiful word. And thank you for the many blessings that you give us and forgive us where we fail you. Is in Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Imitation song after the lesson will be My Eyes Are Dry. The song we're gonna sing before the lesson this morning will be Angry Words. <clears throat>
scripture reading this morning is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. Be ye angry and sin not. Let, the sun, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Good morning, everyone. It's so great to see you here today and have taken time on the first day of the week to come and worship with your brothers and sisters. Got an exciting week ahead of you? I hope you take advantage of it and hope God uses you in some really extraordinary ways. And maybe you reflect back on this past week, how God used you. It's exhilarating, isn't it? God can use even me in the work of his kingdom. I hope he's doing extraordinary things with you. Maybe today will be the first day in that journey. If it's so, then look around you. You have quite a support network. If you're visiting with us, we're thrilled for your presence. And we just hope you'll make it a regular occurrence. Come and be a part of this assembly. And to my young friends. Okay, so we have these. We've been doing this for about a month, officially, uh, sermon notes for kids. I, I said I was going to do something special. I wasn't really sure what to do. Just give you some candy or something? I didn't think that would be sufficient. So here's what I decided to do for those diligent young scribes. Uh, if you look at your bulletin today, got a little special feature here for you. Right under notes here, sermon notes scribes. I have listed the folks that have turned in these filled out outlines. You put them in my box. I look at them oftentimes with amusement at the things that you do. I appreciate the way that you just carefully outline the sermon, but there's also a box here for the purpose of drawing a scene. Some of you just draw the pulpit area here with me preaching. I remember when I mentioned that Drew was holding up the little baby. I got a picture of that I can show you. I mean, wow, that was pretty extraordinary. And I know Sully last week drew a picture of camp because <laughs> he was thinking about camp and I had mentioned that. So he, he put some little details there. Those, those are amazing. And if you're an adult and you're wondering whatever could this be good for, I would just love for you to come look at some of the things they're turning in. Our young people. So here's, here's my plan. I'm, I'm going to keep a, a running list of people that have given these sheets to me. And if you'll just stick them in the box that's on my door, that would be helpful. Or turn them into the office, maybe I'll get them. This list reflects the ones that I've received. If you filled them out, but somehow or other they didn't get my box, but you'd like to be on this list... If you can have a sworn affidavit from your parents <laughs> that you did that, then I'll be happy to put you on this list too. And here's my plan. So I'm going to try to recognize your efforts every week uh, by keeping a running tally. And then at the end of the year, uh, we'll maybe do something special. I don't know, maybe for the one who's done the most. Oh, no, it's a competition. Peace. Stop. But uh, we'll look forward to see, see how that goes. And that ought to give me enough time to think of something, think of something really good to do. 
Okay, again, glad that you're here. And as you can tell from just the great selection of songs this morning, really appreciate Jordan leading us today. Uh, we just ended with that song, Angry Words. And that's always a challenge to sing, right? Because it's a self-examination kind of song. We want to be, be honest and we want to represent ourselves as truthfully as possible, but seriously, there are times in our lives when maybe we become so angry, fueled by rage, that we say things we should not have ever said. And we may be filled with regret, we may say we're sorry, but that thing is still out there. People remember, they heard it, they were shocked. Or even worse, when we put those words into a public forum. In the moment of passion, we stood by those words, but as we've cooled off and thought about it for a while, now we've become ashamed of what we had to say. Very difficult to take anything back, either by word or by print. So today, uh, in keeping with our theme of reaching forward, today we are going to reach forward against anger. And I would remind us of our overall text from Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Paul admitted, he said, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It may be that there are things we're not very proud of, we're ashamed. But how about today? How about today being that day that we put behind us the things that we're so ashamed of? We repent of them. And then we move forward, ever reaching forward for that prize. Wouldn't that be great? Today can be that day for you. Maybe this is the very thing you struggle with. Let's pray to God and then we'll begin our study together. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege that we have to be together and to study from your word. And thank you today, Lord, for this message that you put on my heart to present to this body. Lord, I know that uh, these kinds of emotions are things that all of us experience, some of us wrestle with. But Lord, I pray that today we'll become specially aware of the sources of anger that are all around us, that are increasing, that we'll be aware of the results, the devastating results that come from anger, and then maybe to enact some strategies that will help us to, to take the energy that comes out of our frustration and to make something good out of it. Thank you for Jesus, who certainly has shown us the way in that. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to communicate that in a sufficient manner. I pray for those who hear your word today that it will make an impression on them and that it will uh, move us to action. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And, oh, thank you for your patience with us as we're striving to do better. In Jesus' name, amen. 
be angry and do not sin. The be angry part is a command. You should be angry with some things. Be angry. It's okay. But there's this caveat here. Do not sin. Okay, I'll use the example that I mentioned in the scripture of Jesus. It might come as a shock to anybody who studies Jesus at all, God's suffering servant. It might be surprising to us that we learn actually Jesus, most likely on several occasions that are described, but definitely one in which the text says he became angry is Mark chapter 3 and verse 5. And and the reason that I say that probably other settings is because there were several occasions when something like this happened. And so I can imagine that every single one of those cases, Jesus had the same reaction. In this text, Jesus is healing a man who has a withered hand. And you know, there were lots of times when Jesus healed people. And especially it seems like he looked for occasions to do it on the Sabbath day because it it increased opportunity for dialogue with those who might be in opposition with Jesus. And sure enough, right there on the spot, there they were, the Pharisees. But here, the Pharisees were looking for Jesus to heal that withered hand so that they could bring attention to the fact that he had done some kind of work on the Sabbath day. And the text here says that in response to the attitude that they were demonstrating that he was angry and he was grieved over it. Jesus was angry and grieved because of the hardness of their hearts. And I can imagine that this is certainly true with regard to a righteous anger, one that's seated in what is right, And that is that Jesus is looking at the Pharisees as the very representation of what was supposed to be all spiritual in Israel. So here is a religious body or religious representation that's gone wrong. That's frustrating to the Son of God. And equally frustrating would be the fact that here are people of quote-unquote faith who are using their faith to hurt somebody. That's got to create, well, it creates anger. And it also said that he was grieved over it. I guess it would do us benefit to just think about what anger is to begin with. And anger, of course, is an emotion. So that's something that's rooted in us as part of who we are as human beings. But it is a response to a perceived wrong. Now, that's either a wrong that's been perpetrated against ourselves personally, or it is something that we view as wrong and we have become the champion and we're frustrated. We are are in a disagreement vehemently with what has occurred. Our text says it's okay to be angry. Be angry. But do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. In other words, don't let this 
emotion that is so passionate, so filled with energy, that is prompting you to act, don't hang on to that too long. And don't let that thing that is lingering fall into the hands of Satan. Don't let Satan prompt you in this fueled emotion to do something that is sinful, to act in a way that, which began perhaps as a defense of what is right, but now has slipped into sin. What a great deceiver Satan is when he takes something that naturally occurs in us, even something that is in response to something we think is a true offense. But then Satan uses that in order to develop sin in us. In Psalm 4 and verse 4, be angry and do not sin. He says here, and this is, this is just helpful advice. He says, meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Now that's the very opposite application, uh, seemingly, or at least the opposite situation of what you found in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 is dealing with, boy, I'm angry. I'm ready to act. Oh, Lord's warning me. Now don't, because if you do, Satan might use that and lead it to sin. And then, then where will you be? And you know how sin is. Sin escalates. So I'm angry. I'm fueled. I act. Maybe they respond back. I act in a greater way. And now look at the mess I'm in. Here in the Psalm, David says, okay, be angry and don't sin, but here's what you should do. You know, back off of that thing. Meditate or think on it while you're lying on your bed and be still. Take the thing down a notch, okay? You reacted, you're angry. That's fine, but let's, let's think about this for a little while. Don't you wish you'd have done that before you sent that text or that email? Don't you wish you had done that before you just yelled across the ball field to somebody that said something that was offensive to you? Don't you wish that you had done that as you were sitting in the line with your bumper sticker that says how much you love Jesus as you're screaming at the person who hasn't moved from the light yet? Don't you wish that you had just had that mentality, I'm going to meditate on this for a while. I'm going to let my emotions come down a notch. And I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm going to try to respond in a positive, favorable way. I do not want what's happened here that maybe begins as a very positive, good reaction. I should feel this way. Lord, help me not to escalate that thing such that I fall prey to Satan's devices and I sin in it. I'm just going to tell you, anger is powerful. And today, it just seems like people become angry at the slightest offense. How important it is more than ever to lean on the Lord. Knowing that He can provide us the means by which we can reach forward against anger. I want to start by thinking about the increasing sources of anger. Increasing sources. What I mean is, there are all kinds of triggers out there today 
that bring anger, a feeling of being incensed out in us. Sometimes it's just, it's economic. Maybe you're in business with somebody and you find out they've been cheating you. I can imagine. You've invested a lot in that business. That would make you angry. You feel justified in your anger. Maybe it is that you've been doing a really great job at your work. You've put in more time than anybody else around you. As you perceive it, your quality of work is better than anybody's. You have sacrificed for your company, but you walked in one day and just out of the blue, you were fired. You lost your job. I could see that would make a person person angry. That would just be the natural reaction in that setting. Maybe, maybe it's the economy. You drive up to the gas pump. It seems like it just goes up every single time you see it. Or you go to, you go to buy a bag of groceries and that bag of groceries costs you three times today what it did a year ago. I, I could imagine, especially if, if you're on a fixed income, you see these rising costs. It just It makes you angry and you start looking for people to blame for what is causing pain in your life and you feel justified in that. You know, if you continue to let that anger grow, you might take action that you are going to regret. You'll say something, you'll write something, you'll take action. You get fired from your job and then assault your employer. How is that going to help your situation? You get angry in the grocery store and you start yelling at the manager. You think it was his decision to jack those prices up? There are a lot of things that we don't know are happening behind the scenes. We feel the pain and we just want to react. We want to find somebody to blame. God says, why don't you take that down a notch? Why don't you just meditate on your bed? Why don't you lie down? Why don't you take care that this thing not escalate and fall into Satan's hands and drive you to sin or to represent yourself as less than Christ-like? Sometimes this economy just drives people crazy with anger. Sometimes anger is manifested It's festered in marriages and in the home. And we're later going to see some examples of anger that resulted in the, well, in the greatest offense that we could take against another person, of taking their life, being so angry that we would take their life. And you say, well, Ken, what does that have to do with marriage and home life and so forth? You may not be aware of it, but Anger is so rampant in our time that of women who are 16 years of age and younger, the murders that occur in that life segment among females usually occurs as a result of parents attacking their children or some relative. And for women who are 16 and older, It is almost always a husband or a lover or some relative that has taken some kind of drastic anger-driven offense and murdered that poor woman. 
And then on the other side of that, I'm supposing a lot of it in defense of themselves, women kill men way more than men ever kill women. In fact, when women are murdered in the home, it's usually in the bedroom. When women kill men in the home, it's usually in the kitchen. Of course, that gets to why it is I don't like to do dishes that much or, you know, hang around there in that kitchen. It's a dangerous place. But, But my point is, that it makes sense. It, you know, the, the woman's killed in the bedroom. It, it's, it's a, it's a passion-driven offense. The, the anger wells up and we don't think about it. Before you know it, that anger is so volatile. The man takes deadly force against his wife or even in the kitchen, the place where she feels is her domain. And she's just, you know, over and over and over again. He's just constantly berating her and bringing her down. And she's just like, I've had it. It just grabs a knife and takes his life. Anger that has just absolutely become fueled as though a fire doused with gasoline. And now people act without stopping to think about the consequences or the action that I'm about to take, just driven with pure emotion and fury, do something that can never be taken back. Sometimes we just feel wronged. Either it's legitimate or it's just something that is perceived. I had someone come to my carport one time They were screaming at me at the top of their lungs when they said, I love you, and then proceeded to tell me that life is not fair. You know, I will never forget that. Sometimes we feel like life isn't fair. Something's happened to me. I, I, I didn't do anything to prompt this reaction, and yet there we are. Can you imagine... What is described in Genesis chapter 27, it's actually in verse 41, kind of the, 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 the top of it, the, the very zenith of the situation. But you know this story all too well. It's the story of Jacob and Esau. And so here is Esau, and at first, you know, he had that blessing that was given to him. And he was like, you know, I don't, I don't care about this birthright. I'm starving. I'd rather have a bowl of soup. And so he, he trades his birthright for a bowl of soup. Jacob has that. And then later he's thinking in his mind, you know, that birthright business, that was one thing, but I could go in there right now and I could get the blessing of my father and that would fix everything. And yet that deceiver Jacob had gone in before him and had actually stolen by his deception the blessing that was going to come to Esau. Now, there are a lot of ways that we can say that Esau is at fault and and we can just put him in his place, but you put yourself in his shoes. These things have happened to you and every time I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking "That that was my brother that did that to me. This text, verse 41, tells us that he became so angry. So they're they're in the midst of their father dying, right? So Isaac's on his deathbed. He's about to die. And so Esau says, okay, I am so 
angry right now, but I'm not going to act until dad dies. But after he dies, I am going to kill you. Well, you probably know the story. Jacob, he is no fool in that regard, and he hits the road. It's like, I'm not going to allow that to happen, but let's just back up here for a moment. Esau, how's he feel? You could say some of that was his fault, but in this moment, none of that mattered. All I know is I've been cheated out of something that should have been mine and I'm angry and I am so angry that I would murder my brother. Whether that's right or that's wrong, he says, that's how I feel. Sometimes we're angry because of our health situation. You know, maybe when we were young, we exercised. We took lots of vitamins. We tried to stay away from those known things that would cause our health problems. But now that I'm old, either my health has declined by disease, maybe genetically so, or maybe I've had accidents along the way that have accumulated, and now my health is just terrible. And I just, it's not fair that this has happened to me. Not fair. I don't know of anybody in recorded history of whom we could say it is absolutely known for sure that it wasn't fair, that he suffered these things. And that would be Job, right? Job was going along very well until God got into this deal with Satan about whether he's going to be faithful or not. So God's like, you know, just let him have it. That's fine. I believe that he'll still be faithful to me. And so we know that he got a raw deal. And if anybody should have been angry, it would be Job. But here's what Job says in Job chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. His wife, who, by the way, is also experiencing these things, her husband, the one that she loves more than anybody in the world, is suffering terrible things, and she can't do anything to relieve the pain in his life. She must be angry too. And so she just says to him, just curse God and die. But here's what Job says, and maybe this is instructive to all of us. He said, shall we receive God's good things and not receive the bad? I've thought about that a lot. You know, I want to say bless the Lord when things are going great or going my way. And then we get frustrated when things don't go on our way. And really, we want to blame God? We want to turn around, the one who has brought us to this place, and maybe there is a hiccup in our lives. Maybe there is something that was unexpected. But we, are we going to turn to God and blame Him for this change in direction? Maybe it is no change in direction at all. Maybe it is something that is brought into our life to bring a fullness to what is going on. This life is so temporary. Why will we stop? And get angry with God, Job says. Job, the one who very well could have said, of all the people in the world, I know for a fact that I've gotten a raw deal. But I'm telling you, I'm not blaming God for it. If I'm going to thank him for the good times, then I'm going to thank him for the difficult times too. I'm just going to strive to persevere with his help. I love, I love Job's attitude. Maybe, maybe it's we feel like we've been betrayed by somebody. 
You know, you trusted somebody. You trusted them 100%. You told them secrets that you've told no one. They know things about you. And somehow or other, they betrayed you. And you are angry. You know, you're just so frustrated. If anybody should have been frustrated... If ever there were a record of somebody who, in all, in all honesty and righteousness, could have just vented about being betrayed and double-crossed, wouldn't it have been Jesus? Again, clear record of that. There is Judas, who spent all the time, knew all the secrets, even kept the money box. He is the one who betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Seriously? And yet you never hear Jesus calling Judas to the side and saying, what's up? What is wrong? What in the world? Jesus didn't curse Judas. Same thing with Peter. Peter, the very one, Jesus says, you know what? <laughs> Here a little bit later, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And he's, he's like, no, there's no way. In fact, in order to demonstrate his commitment to Jesus, when the crowd comes in Gethsemane, he pulls out his sword. He is willing to die, cuts off the, the ear of Malchus. He is serious about his dedication to the Lord. But only hours later, he is denying the Lord. Now, Peter becomes a reclamation project by the Lord. Jesus restores Peter. And certainly Peter becomes a terrific apostle in the first century development of the church. There's no doubt about that, but the only person hard on Peter is Peter. Jesus doesn't constantly remind Peter of what he's done and how disappointed I am in you. If anybody could have been anger angry for that kind of thing, it would be Jesus. I don't see that. In fact, if anybody could be angry, it would be the Savior dying for sinners. Willingly so. Maybe it is you're angry because you feel like you just, in life, generally, you got a raw deal. The people successful in this life are people who are beautiful physically or who have athletic skill or some great talent or they were born into money and you say I don't have any of those things and I'm just I'm so mad about it you know that nothing I can do and so I'm angry I expressed to you just a couple of weeks ago about God's thoughts concerning you that you are unique you are special just like you are in his kingdom. As you are growing in the faith, it, it has nothing to do with how you look or your talent or your athletic ability or how much money you have. Your value is in your spiritual exercise. God help us never to become angry thinking that somehow or other we got shortchanged in this life. Ken, I'm just not that smart. Okay, peace. You know, we could all fit within that category. But God can use even, quote unquote, the least of us to do great things in the kingdom of God. Maybe it is that you're angry because the person that you love the most in this world has died and you don't know where else to put the blame. You just point it at God. Again, 
I think of the scriptures where we have the depiction of a man who knew exactly why his loved one died. Knew exactly who brought the sentence. It was God himself. In 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 23, after David has been on the ground inconsolable for a week, begging God hour after hour, probably minute after minute, just moaning and groaning, Lord, please don't let my child die. Well, the child dies. And then at that moment when he hears about that child dying, he picks himself up, he cleans himself off, and he says, well, he can't come back to me, but I can go to him. I love that. I'm not blaming God In fact, God's judgment on me was because of my action. And I begged and I begged him to spare my child, but he executed that judgment anyway. So you know what I'm going to do? Instead of just continuing to be angry, instead of throwing blame everywhere, here's what I am going to do. I am going to live my life from here on in such a way that even though they died, someday I'm going to see him again. Isn't that a great solution? Instead of just blaming somebody and maybe Satan using that sin or creating sin in me, maybe I just leave the church altogether. Or I do, as Job's wife said, just curse God and want to die. Maybe become disconnected. Satan will use that pain and that anguish of grief to lead me to sin. How about I just usurp that right now and I say, you know what? I'm not going down that road. I have grieved, I have hurt, it is the greatest pain I've ever experienced, but what I do now is I dedicate my life to living for God so that I will be able to see them again. That would be a great solution because look around you. There are all sorts of sources, increasing sources of anger all around us. There are also devastating results that come from anger. I'm just going to talk about three here today. You know that it's going to destroy your happiness. Anger is. There's another text that deals with anger directly. It's Psalm 37 and verse 8. That text says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. It says, do not. Fret, it only causes harm. You hear that again? Stop being angry. Don't be filled with wrath. What you need to do is stop this fretting about it. And that idea is like strumming the frets on a guitar, just bang, bang, bang. It's just like it's just becoming a, a, a rhythm. I'm just hanging on to that, just bang, bang, bang. It's just driving me nuts. Instead of that, he says, don't fret about this. Because if you do that, all it's going to do is bring harm to your life. So here's what one solution would be. You know what? If someone has offended me, instead of me just getting angry and stewing about it, how about I go to them about it? 
How about I try to resolve this? How about I think about forgiveness instead of dragging this thing on for 20 years? What good is that doing? That is just like fretting over it. It'll come to nothing but harm. There are brothers and sisters who will attend a church service, sit on either end of a pew and never speak to one another. That is not brotherhood. That is not fellowship. What we should do is seek forgiveness. And you know what? If that isn't happening on one end and I know of someone that has been offended, then I need to just go to them. Just be the bigger person and try to resolve this. In fact, Jesus talks about that, doesn't he? Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 23. He said, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with the adversary while you're on the way with him. Lest your adversary deliver you, the judge, judge hand you over to the officer, you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you'll by no means get out of there until you've paid the last penny. It's only trouble, trouble, trouble. Do the right thing. Seek out reconciliation. Anger will also not just defeat the happiness that you have, it's going to defeat your freedom. Think about it. You wake up angry at somebody. They maybe work with you or you see them occasionally through the day. And so you just, your stomach is in knots all the time. You try to avoid them, but what happens? You run right into them. You can't say a word. It fuels your anger. You see them talking to someone who otherwise is your friend. Now you put them on the blacklist and you are just filled with turmoil all day long. You have become a slave to the anger that you feel towards somebody else. It is not worth it. It only comes to harm, both to you and to your relationships. You'll end up taking medication because you can't sleep or you have the stomach upset. You feel anxiety. Your whole being is coming apart simply because of this anger that is being fueled in your heart. Do not do it. And it will also damage you spiritually. Along the lines of Matthew 5 there, if you go back at verse 21, he said, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you should not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Put that together for a second. Murder, judgment, anger, judgment. Same punishment. Murder and anger. In fact, I think it's kind of put together in 1 John chapter 3, verse 15. That is that whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Anger, hatred, murder. You know those things aren't befitting of a Christian. But it all begins with that anger that is fueled within us that just grows and grows and grows instead of being put away. Before we know it, here we are, literally in, in judgment with God. Better still is Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind 
to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. We were talking about Jesus being justified in anger against sinners, sure, but that's not how he acted. He forgave us even when we were still in our sin. And that's what Ephesians 4 is encouraging us to do. Just, just forgive and get beyond it. Don't you love how Jesus dealt with Cain? Genesis chapter 4, verse 6. God asked Cain two questions. Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? Why are you angry? He doesn't really get into the details of not accepting his sacrifice or any of that stuff. He's like, I want to get to the root of this. It's okay to be angry, but why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? That's a good question for all of us. Why? Why am I so angry? So what are some winning strategies? You know, how, can I, how can I get over it? How about I just be the new person I was called to be? Ephesians 4 22 to 24 talks about that, to put off concerning your old man, the old, old ways which are corruptible. He says to put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The new man's God's man. Uh, let's put that on. That will certainly help guard us at least from taking anger too far. Maybe it is that we all just have the mind that when these situations arise, I'm angry, I want to act. How about I just trust that Jesus is going to do the right thing for me? That's Romans chapter 12, verse 19. He says, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. I need to trust that God will take care of it. Why? Because my action tends toward escalation. I don't want to just get even with them. I want to hit them so hard they'll never think of hitting me back. No. How about I let the just judge take care of the situation? How about I let him do it? And how about we take Barney Fife's advice from the Andy Griffith show? Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Wouldn't that help? Just stop it before it ever stops. Hebrews 12 verse 14 says to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Stop right there. I'm not going to see the Lord if I don't seek after peace and holiness. If all I ever do is react and I'm angry and I say things I shouldn't say, that is not holy. That is not preparing myself for a heavenly eternal lifetime with the Father? No, no. That is a rejected attitude and display. And, and how about this? How about, how about we pray for those that just cause these reactions or these situations? Have you ever stopped in the middle of something really frustrating and just started praying about it? Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I don't know how it would go, but if somebody's berating you, what if you just stopped and prayed for them right there in their presence? If that's not heaping coals of fire on somebody's head, I don't know what would be. I'm going to pray for you in this situation. Wow. 
wow. And how about we just employ love? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning at verse 4, kind of describes love for us. Love suffers long in its kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. And then I love this part from verse 8. Love never fails. It doesn't. God's working something great in you, according to Philippians 1 and verse 6, and he's wanting to see it to the end. Let's not upset that process by becoming angry and sinning in our anger of doing something we can't take back. And let's remember that we're ever looking forward, not, not looking back. So what's happened to the, maybe we're ashamed of that. Maybe we need to repent of that. But we could start today going ahead. The truth is that with God, Romans 8 verse 37, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. So let's do some conquering today. Let's conquer anger. Let's behave ourselves as Christ would have us to behave. And let's repent today if such is necessary. If you're a child of God, you need to repent today. Come forward. The pews are empty and we will pray with you and for you. Today begins a new day. You can guard that tongue or the words that you say or put in print. And maybe you're not a child of God today. Today gives you the opportunity to erase those faults from your past in the blood of Jesus and to rise up a new creation, that new man that we saw in Ephesians 4. If there's anybody who needs to respond today, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing. My eyes are dry.
seated. As we prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper this morning, we will sing, Follow Me. I traveled down a
If you don't have the emblems for the Lord's Supper, uh, will you please raise your hand? The ushers will bring you some. Let's pray for the, for the bread. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and thank, thank you for all the many blessings you give us. We thank you for this bread that represents your son's body that was hung on the cross for our sins. May our minds go back to that cross as we take it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Likewise, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this cup that uh, represents your son's blood that was shed on the cross. We ask that you be with uh, us as we take it. And we, our minds may go back to the cross and we remember what he did for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before we give, if you would, bow with me. Our Heavenly Father, we're so very thankful we could be here today, and we're so very thankful, Father, for all the blessings that you bestow on us each day. Father, we're so thankful for our health and that we can work and earn a living, but we know all that comes from you. We pray, Father, that each of us would give back cheerfully. Pray that much good will come from what we give today. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Before Brother Tommy comes and uh, makes some announcements and closes us out, I want to say one thing uh, regarding our Bible classes. Uh, tonight begins a new quarter for our education program, 7th grade and down, with new classes. The uh, 
Tonight is what we typically call Promotion Sunday, so each group will be moving up. So you'll be moving up one grade tonight to one class, uh, and you have new teachers awaiting you. Uh, I need a couple of things uh, a little different tonight for your help. Um, after kids sing, when the uh, children are dismissed, parents, um, please, for tonight, go with your children and help them find their new class. And teachers be out in the hall and let's make sure they get to their new class and everything is acclimated. I know for a fact that one little one already has been said, you're going to a new class tonight. And she said, absolutely not. So we may need, need a little help in the transition phase. Uh, so um, I think her hair is red. So uh, make sure we want everything to go nice and smoothly. So if you'll help us with that, we appreciate it. And of course, next week, no classes will meet because we'll all be in the auditorium for Northeast night. Thank you for being here this morning. We have a crowd this morning of 363. Thank you to every one of you for being present with us this morning. A few announcements before we're dismissed. The uh, youth worship fellowship and singing in the park will be tonight at the uh, at Maywood. The group will leave at, from the TAC at 415 and uh, if any of the adults want to go, they are welcome to go and ride on the bus with this group. Golden Circle Luncheon is Tuesday at 11.30 in the Annex. Wildwood Dean, a scholar about uh, Red River history, will be the speaker uh, this Tuesday. Uh, and thanks to Stephen, there's a list of all of the classes that are being offered uh, for this next quarter in the foyer, if you'd like to pick up a list of that. Uh, to see where everything is. New church directory. If you have not had your picture made or turned in a form with all of the information for the family and you still want to be in our church directory, see uh, Brother Larry Morgan about that. Uh, food pantry and clothes closet will be uh, this Thursday. Uh, so if you're part of that, it's, it starts this Thursday. Next Sunday night will be our annual Northeast night. We'll probably have the largest crowd that we'll have in this auditorium for this year, next Sunday night. We hope that you're planning on being part of it, but we need a lot of help. We need a lot of food because it's gonna be a lot of visitors coming uh, to be with us that night. There are lists in the foyer of suggested items to bring, uh, dishes to bring. Also, in the annex, there's a cart with a lot of canned goods. If you can use some of those canned goods to make some of the items on the list, please do so. We've got uh, a lot of goods there that need to be used. And uh, there's also a list there to help set out all of the food on the tables next Sunday night, and also a list to help clean up. There's something for everybody to do. We'll probably have more people in this auditorium that are not members of the Lord's Church. We have a tremendous opportunity to reach out to people that have never been in a Church of Christ. So let's take advantage of it. As all of our announcements, if you would, bow with me. Our Father, thank you for all the blessings that you bestow upon us every day. We're thankful for this lesson about anger that Brother Ken has brought 
to us today, and we pray that we can use this lesson to help us to be less angry or to learn how to funnel our anger into something good and positive. Be with us as we leave. Help us to be your people in this community. These things we ask through Jesus' name. Amen.